All of you here tonight, glad that you're here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 really is a declaration on relationships. And so let's start there, just a couple of verses, 1 and 2, and then we will go down to verse 9. Amen. How many of y'all want friends in your life? Amen. All right, verses 1 and 2. Solomon obviously is the writer here. He says, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors there was power, but they had no comforter. Wherefore I praise the dead, which are already dead more than the living, which are yet alive. Verse 9, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he has fallen. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before You. We pray tonight over this service. God, that You would speak to each and every one of us. Give us understanding. Give us us learning. Father God, we pray. We are always, Lord, are thankful to be able to call you our friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Real quick, real quick, uh, I need to meet with the trustees for just a few minutes after service, okay? And we can just meet up here on the platform. All right. When you study friendship, the theology of friendship, Let's talk about love. Love. In the Word of God, there's different words in the Greek language for love. One is agape. Y'all have heard that term before, haven't you? Agape. Agape. And then there is phileo or philia. And uh, there's a difference in those two words. Okay. Now, you have to be careful when you start looking into the Greek and studying the word agape and phileo and trying to make them only designate certain things. Okay, now I've done this before, done in-depth studies on the word agape, and it's a little tricky, all right? So what I will say to you is this, is that oftentimes agape and phileo or philia overlap in the Scripture. But for our understanding, there is a enough difference between the two terms uh, so that we can get into an understanding of friendship tonight. Okay, agape is normally interpreted this way. It is the Christ-like love. Christ-like love. Or agape, sacrificial kind of love. Or God's kind of love. Now, agape love, uh, 
Christ-like love, the love that God has, is a kind of love that even loves its enemies. Okay? Agape love reaches out to everybody. And agape love is not selective. You understand that? Okay? It is a sacrificial kind of love. And so therefore, it, it reaches out to everybody. It's not limited, okay? It's not based on any kind of attraction that somebody else would have. It's just because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost, you reach out to everybody in love, even your enemies. And obviously, that is a great challenge. Amen. Now, but when you talk about friendship love, philia, is totally different. Friendship love is selective. It is based on attraction of some kind. Now, although every one of us should have agape kind of love which reaches out to everybody, <clears throat> amen, and it's not selective, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the agape love that you have that reaches out to everybody is going to be phileo or philia love. That means that you're not going to be friends with everybody. Okay? You understand? Now you do realize we're supposed to love everybody, but you're not required to be a friend to everybody. Now that's important for you to understand. Because friendship is not really the same thing. Friendship love is not the same thing as the God kind of love. Alright? Friendship is selective. It's based on attraction. It's sort of like human kind of love. Where you're fond of somebody. Friendship is based on an attraction that you might have towards somebody else. It doesn't necessarily mean physical attraction. Although it could be. It could be some character trait that the person has. It may be some uh, something that they like to do. You know, some hobby or whatever uh, that you like to do. There's just something about that person that attracts you to them. And it could be physical, but it's more than that. And so uh, as you get around them, it's not just like, okay... I sort of every once in a while want to cross paths with them. If, you, if they're a friend, you're going to choose to cross paths with them. Okay? Where agape love, you cross paths with everybody, all kinds of people all day long, and you'll say hello to them, you reach out to them in love, talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ, so on and so forth. But everybody you cross paths with are not going to necessarily be your friend. That means that you're going to take time to meet with them or to have your paths cross deliberately. So because phileo or friendship love is selective, you need to understand that not everybody's going to be your friend. Not everybody's going to be my friend. Amen? And I praise the Lord. And I don't necessarily want everybody to be my friend. And you don't necessarily want everybody to be your friend. Amen? Sometimes you're known not only by your friends, you know, but you're also known by your enemies. 
Now, I know that that might not make sense to you, but I'll explain it to you from the Word of God in a minute, okay? Now, so whenever you start uh, friendship, it's based on a common attraction. Maybe you like to do the same thing the other person likes to do. You have common likes. Uh, Maybe, again, you're attracted to their personality. You're attracted to their character traits. You're... They like to, to they like sports and you like sports and you like to go to the gym and they like to go to the gym. You like to ride a bike. They like to ride a bike. You know what I'm saying? And so that uh, selective then approach comes into friendship because there's a selection that takes place and that is I want you to be my friend because you like to do some of the things I like to do and I kind of like your personality. You know what I'm saying? You get the point. Uh, I oftentimes tell people who have relationship issues in the church that think everybody's supposed to be their friend. I often tell them you are misunderstanding. You come to the house of God to worship and to serve the living God. Okay? And if you happen to have a friend in the church, and I think that's the best place to have friends, if you happen to have a friend in the church, that's a good thing. But you're not coming here so that everybody in the church house will be your friend. And I'm not saying that we can't be friendly to everybody. We need to be friendly to everybody. But that's more agape. But not everybody's going to be your friend. You need to get over that and understand that. You understand that. And you have a right as a human being, to pick your friends. You have a right to choose the friends that you want. Nobody picks my friends for me. Nobody. I pick my friends. I choose the friends that I want to hang around with. Now, I love all of you because I'm your pastor, right? Amen, amen. Obviously, there's a little bit of higher level there, but... When it comes to friendship, you choose your friends. And it's selective. And it's based, basically, it's a human type of thing. And it's based on common likes and so on and so forth. Right? I mean, not everybody, you can put two people together and they just don't, it don't work. It don't mesh. I mean, they're, they're going to beat out each other's throats. There's going to be problems all the time. They always be fussing and fighting all the time. It's just not going to go very well because the personalities aren't like are similar, you know, you get the point. You put two, some people together and they admire each other and they hardly ever fight. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so you understand the difference between agape love and filial love. One is the God kind of love that reaches out to everybody. It is not selective, but filial love is friendship love that is selective. And it's a Bible word. You understand? It is a Bible word. There's nothing wrong with it. Amen? Say praise the Lord. All right. Now, if you want more friends, then we're going to find out hopefully tonight how to get more friends. But there is, the point being, there is a difference. And really in life, most of us tonight, really in life, we have very few real, true friends. 
we have brothers and sisters in the Lord in the body of Christ. But as far as having a real, true friend, according to the Bible, especially men, men, men don't have many friends. You know what I'm saying? And we'll talk about that as we go through the Word of the Lord. Okay, so there is a human attraction <coughs> excuse me, that takes place in the area of Philea, which is a friendship which is selective, a common attraction. Now, there are some negatives, brothers and sisters, that we need to know about friends and having friends and friendships. There is a man by the name of M. Griffin. He wrote a book on friendship. He says it can be a negative if it helps us choose our own propaganda. Okay, the point being is we don't like ourselves so we seek friends who will affirm our way of life. Okay, so what happens is the friendship in this negative side is you don't like yourself so what you're going to do is you're going to hang with a crowd. Amen. That's just going to affirm the way you're living. So you can be living wrong. You can be living, have all kinds of contrary opinions. Just just bad problems, right? So you get around people that just say, hey, you're okay. And you're not okay. Amen. Are y'all with me here? All right. And uh, let's take it a step from there. It must be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All friendships must be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Friendships can be powerful. We can stand for the truth, fight for a cause. However, people who think they are right can also be erroneous in their conviction. They can be rebellious and not listen to the good insight of other people. You see that? So what happens then, a lot of times on the negative side, people to get together with people who are, think like them, affirm their way of life. And so they have convictions that they're right. They, can, they have convictions that they have the truth on something and they're wrong. And so they get with some other people that have the same convictions and the same viewpoint. So friendship then can be a bad thing, a negative thing if it causes us to rebel against what is right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay? So I don't want to get people around me uh, basically they're just going to support my own propaganda about myself. You know? Just somebody to tell me, yeah, you're alright, and I'm completely wrong. You know, what, what do you got if you got two people that are wrong? And they're slapping each other on the back and saying, you're okay, it's alright. See, we got a crowd here, we got a group, and we're all in agreement. Jesus called them the blind, leading the blind. And they both fall in the ditch. So you have to be careful about the kind of friends that you hang around with if those friends are only simply affirming you because you don't like yourself and, and you know, you're wrong, but they're going to say you're right, that's not a good thing. And if somebody comes along and they tell you a truth, they give you the Word of God or they give you some truth and you don't want to listen to it, 
Because you've made up your mind and you've got a support system around you that's backing you up. You're right. So you have to be careful with friendship because friendship can lead you out of the will of God. Friendship can lead you into rebellion against the Word of the living God. Amen. Is everybody hearing the Word of God tonight? Alright, Ecclesiastes 4. Let's go back where we were reading. The importance of friendship. Again, this chapter deals with relationships. Okay, verse 1. Uh, Solomon says, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. Behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. Wow, what a sad thing. If somebody's going through a time of oppression, they've got tears, and there's nobody, no friend, to comfort them in the time of their suffering. And so then he goes on and he says, The oppressors have power. The ones that are oppressing the person, they have power. Amen. How many of y'all have ever been oppressed by anybody? Okay. Well, you know how much power they have, and especially they can gather other people around them. And the power of those oppressors against you can be an intense thing. Amen. Uh, because he, as he says here, there's power in the oppressor. And if you don't have a friend that's going to help you when these oppressors are coming against you and, and they can comfort you through that, it's going to be a very difficult time in your life. We all need somebody to comfort us. Especially when there are oppressors coming against you. And a friend is somebody that will do that. A friend is somebody when there are oppressors attacking you and they have power against you. Uh, and, and, you know, and I'm saying I'm in the sense that they're, they're wrong on the wrong side of truth, but they're coming against you. You need somebody to stand with you. You need somebody to comfort you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And if you look up and if you're all by yourself, ooh, I told you a long time ago that the greatest temptation for a human being to commit suicide is when those that should be faithful to them are not. You get somebody in your life, it could be a spouse, a husband, it can be church, it can be all friends, and you look at them and you depend on them. And they should be faithful to you and they're not. It causes you to enter into great conflict in your mind. And cause you know what to live. Now look at the next verse. I got Bible for that. He said, "Wherefore I praise the dead, which are already dead, more than the living, which are yet alive." He said, "You get in that kind of situation where you've got oppressors coming against you, and there's nobody there to comfort you." He said, "It's better to be dead than alive." Amen. Wow. Man. I want to be your friend as your pastor. I want to be your friend. I want to help you if the enemy's coming against you and oppressing you and attacking you constantly. I want to be your friend. I want to comfort you. I want to help you in the time of oppression. Amen. And I think you have a right to require that of me. 
But what if I wasn't there for you? What if nobody was there for you? What if you had to stand all by yourself and the ones you were depending on, amen, that should be faithful to you or not, what are you going to do? That's a, really a heavier battle than the people that are attacking you or the oppressors that are coming against you is the fact that there's nobody there standing with you and helping you fight. you got to do it by yourself. So the writer here, the wise man says, it's better to be dead than alive in that situation. Amen. Okay, let's go on down to verse 9. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me. Verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. And this, is, this chapter deals with relationships. If you fall in life, what a tragedy it is, brothers and sisters, if you don't have anybody there that you can call a friend that will lift you out of that, that will help you up. See, everybody needs a friend, somebody that will be a com uh, more than a companion. A companion is acquaintance. But you need a friend. You need somebody. If you go down, if you fall, you need somebody that will lift you up and pull you up and encourage you and comfort you in the time of your battle. Amen? Now keep reading. Verse 11. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can they? How can one be warm alone? Obviously, this is talking about physically. In a cold night. In a cold night. If you're by yourself, you got blankets, that's good. But you, you know, you get the point. In a cold night, if you've got somebody, you got two together in a cold night, what happens? You're going to keep each other warm. Amen. You know how you know David was about half about half dead right before he passed away. You know how they you know how you can know David was about dead? Because they came and put a young maiden next to him and he didn't do anything. That's, that's a, you know David, man, he he liked the girls, man. When he getting close to, to dying, he's getting cold. And they brought a young maiden and laid, laid the, her next to him to keep him warm. David didn't do a thing. You know he's about dead. Maybe I should have said that. But that's the truth. But you get two people, you know, and it's cold at night. And, uh, you know, praise the Lord. I understand a long time ago, they didn't, uh, when you go to a hotel, they didn't rent you a room. They rented you a bed. And you'd go in there, hallelujah, I'm not about kidding. You'd go in there, they rid you a bed, you climb into bed, if you're, maybe it's the middle of the night, and there's a, a guy there. Now we, we're not talking about strange flesh and strange stuff here, but there's a guy laying in the bed next to you, and then all of a sudden here comes another guy. He, he climbs in bed too, and then pretty soon he says, how many of us are there here, fellas? And then, well, there's three of us. No, I'm kidding you. Thank God they don't do that anymore. I'd, I'd feel uncomfortable. That's the way they used to do it. But a cold night, the point is obviously, you know, I don't need much anointing really to preach this, but in a cold night, two people are 
get together and they keep each other warm. Amen. If you are all by yourself, there ain't nobody to, to warm you up, man. Praise the Lord. Now, that, that can be physical, but it's more than physical. Because there are cold nights in your life that have nothing to do with the physical. You're just going through some kind of cold situation, cold night. It's cold and it's dark. And you need somebody to come and bring some warmth to your life. Amen. At that time in your life. So these are the virtues of friendship. And then verse 12, If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. So if you got two, one person comes against him, you got two, then those two can overcome that attack by the one. And then he goes on and he says this about the third. And a three-four cord is not quickly broken. You get three. A three-four cord. Well, if you, the Bible's talking about two people getting together. And if the enemy attacks them, they can withstand it. Well, then who's the, the third in the picture? Three-four cord. Cord. It's not easily broken. You know who you need, who that needs to be? You got a friend. It might be your wife is that friend. It could be somebody else that's a friend in your life. But that third cord that's not easily broken must be Jesus Christ. God must be that third cord. Brothers and sisters, if, you know, in the area of marriage, we talked about it last Wednesday, about friendship in marriage. If God is not the third cord in your marriage, it can be a lot of other things. It can be pornography. It can be some other man, some other woman. All kinds of things want to be that third cord in your life. Jesus Christ must be that third cord in the friendship, especially in the area of marriage, because that is really the ultimate friendship. Everybody with me here on this? Sometimes a man needs a man. Right? Sometimes a woman needs a woman. To be a friend. My wife can't be everything to me that I need. Your wife can't be, if you're a man tonight, your wife cannot be to you everything that you need to be. And sometimes a woman needs a woman. And I hate to tell some of you men who have a huge ego, you're a husband and you think you're everything to her, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not. Sometimes a woman needs a woman. Sometimes a man needs a man. Do you realize from the age of 18 to the age of 88 that only 40% of people in the world are married? Some of you people who are single tonight, you think it's the other way around, you know. That everybody's married and you're the only one that isn't. Let me say it again. You think everybody else is married, but you're the only one that isn't. Forty percent of people between the age of 18 and 88 are not married. So especially though, now I find friendship in Sister Christina, she finds friendship in me. But especially for 40% of the population who are not married between 18 and 88, they need a friend. Are you here with me? So a man needs a man sometimes. 
I walk up to Sister Christina and I talk to her about my tennis game. Can y'all see me playing tennis? I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all tennis players out there, that's all right, but I'm not a tennis player. Okay, but I'll, go, I'll get home from the gym and I'll talk to her about, you know, some goals that we've set and we've accomplished, you know, and, oh, that's good. And walks off. I said, don't you hear what I, did you hear what I just said? Did you hear? Amen. I just got 415 pounds on the bench press. Really? Oh. I'm going, you know, well, I get to brother, me and Brother Thomas to talk about it, you know. That's a big deal, man. But she don't care. Sometimes a man needs a man. Right? Because they're not, the point being is, and that's just a stupid illustration. It's true, but it's, it's still kind of dumb. But the thing is that a woman is not going to be interested in everything that the man is interested in. So if you like to play tennis, man, babe, today I really hit a kill shot. Phew. I was able to serve 115 miles an hour serve. Oh, really? Oh, okay, good. What's a kill shot? You take your gun out, shoot somebody. Oh man, you should have seen me slam dunk that basketball. Slam dunk. What is that? I'm just telling you, men need men and women need women. Now, you know, a woman needs a woman to talk to. They do. I can't be everything to Sister Christina. Not even trying to be. Hallelujah. If I try to be everything to Sister Christina, I run out of energy real quick. She requires a lot. Amen. Sometimes a woman needs a woman. A woman talks to a man. And, uh, you know, he's like this. He's got that engineer mind. So the woman comes to the man and says, you know, I'm getting older. I'm getting a little, little, I'm gaining a little bit of weight. My hair is changing colors and I'm getting a little bit of wrinkle, you know. And the engineer man mind, you know, he's going to hit those four points. Okay, we're going to fix you. Okay, so to help you with your weight, we're going to buy you a gym membership. And in order to get rid of some wrinkles, we're going to buy you some creams for your face. And as far as the gray hair, you can drink this all kinds of stuff, natural stuff that's supposed to change it back to the natural color. <laughs> which I don't even know what that is, but anyway. But we're going to buy all of that. Just go online, babe, and whatever you want, whatever you need. Hallelujah, I'll pay for it. You know, so that's the, that's the way we are, right? They're going to tell us that they have these things, and we're going, to, we're going to come up point by point like an engineering mind and tell them we're going to fix it for them. But that's not what she wants. She doesn't want you to go point by point with an engineer of mine and fix all that for her. She wants to talk to you. Amen. We're both getting a little bit older. She's getting a little older. I'm getting a little older. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I definitely need a gym membership. (laughs) 
Sometimes men need men and women need women. If a man doesn't have a friend and all he does is talk to his wife, he's probably going to drive her crazy. And vice versa. I can't be, brothers and sisters, if you're married tonight, you can't be everything to your spouse that they need you to be because you're different. You have different needs, different likes, different focuses. So sometimes a man needs a man, a woman needs a woman. Especially if you're not married. Hallelujah. It's good to have a friend, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. The most important thing about friendship is this. The friend, listen, brothers and sisters, whether you be young or old, this is the most important thing when it comes to selecting friends. And that is that the friends that you hang around with cause you to have a desire for the things of eternity. If you have friends, and it's okay, by the way, it's okay to have friends in the world. Jesus was a friend of sinners. I'll say it again. Jesus was a friend of sinners. It's okay to have friends in the world. It is. I've got, I've got a good friend right now. Amen. Uh, he's God-fearing man. Doesn't have all the truth. I'm talking to, it about, to him about it. But he's a good friend of mine. He stays in contact with me. I stay in contact with him. He's not in the apostolic church as we know it. But he's a good, good friend of mine. Okay? Amen. Y'all with me here? But this man even talks about God because he knows I'm a pastor. He asked me, they texted me. He said, well, what was your sermon about Sunday morning? He said, I was sitting in church. He's a good Baptist man. I went to Baptist church. And I was sitting there. He says, I was thinking about what kind of message were you preaching Sunday morning? So we're talking about God, you know. So we don't have all the truth, but we have a common thing we can relate to on spiritual matters. If you've got a friend in your life, it needs to be somebody that's going to cause you to have a desire for Jesus Christ, a desire for eternal things. If you've got a friend that's in the world, okay, it's okay. But if they're influencing you away from the Lord, then that's not a good friendship. That's a negative friendship. You need to be aware of that. Because again, the most important thing to you in friendship is that somebody in your life is going to cause you to want the Lord. It's going to to cause you to walk. Not just walk, want the Lord, but to walk with God. To be spiritual. Amen. To hold you accountable in your life. Amen. I need somebody to hold me accountable in my life. Concerning the things of God. Right? Say praise the Lord. So it is important that we have friends but we have to walk according to spiritual things. They need to encourage you to live for the Lord if they're a true friend. All right, let's go over here and let's look at Proverbs 27, another another verse here. Proverbs 27, verse 1, I mean verse 5 and 6. <clears throat> Not only should friends... 
Okay, as I'm teaching you, you should be thinking about everything, you know, especially in this area of spirituality. The friend that I have, are they moving me away from God? Or the friend that I have, are they moving me toward God? If they're moving you away from God, you need to get away from them. Because they're not a true friend. They're being used by the enemy. Now, friends, what friends have obligations. One obligation, Proverbs 27, verse 5 and 6. Okay, you there? Proverbs has a lot to say about relationships and friendships, especially chapter 17, 18, and 19. But here's one obligation of a friend. Proverbs 27, verse 5. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Brothers and sisters, all hurt is not harmful. When we were teaching you last, last Wednesday on marriage, the one misinterpretation of Scripture in the area of Christianity is that if you're a true Christian, you won't ever hurt anybody. That is a misinterpretation of the Word of God. Because all hurt is not harmful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes you and I need to be wounded. Sometimes, and obviously, you know, if it's a friend, they're not just going to be trying to kill you and tear you up and, and just attack you just to be attacking you. It's not about that. That's not a true friend. But a true friend sees something wrong. And let you know about it. Because you don't want the other kind. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. What that means is somebody in your life that's always going to agree with you. Kiss you, kiss you all the time. Kiss you, kiss you. Agree with you all the time. Never corrects you. Always flattering, flattering, flattering you, flattering you. Always saying good things about you to your face. But would never say that about you in private. Only when you're there, they flatter, they always say good things about you, but they don't say that behind your back. The kisses are deceitful. They're not real. So the obligation of a true friend is to understand, you know, this, this might hurt my friend. But because I'm looking out for him, I'm going to tell him the truth. And all hurt is not harmful. Sometimes some hurt is good. It's important to understand that. So if you've got a good friend in your life, they're going to tell you the truth. They're going to speak it to you in love, in concern, with the right spirit. Amen. But that's an obligation of a friend in your life. You don't want somebody hanging around you that's always going to be talking to you in your face, you know, and telling you how wonderful you are. But it's deceitful. Because as soon as they walk away from you, it's totally different. I'd rather have somebody come and give me an open rebuke and wound me. Now, it takes some wisdom on your part if you've got a friend that comes and rebukes you 
and you know they're doing it in love and the right spirit, it takes a lot of God in you to accept that. Instead of become defensive, prideful, and arrogant. You know. but a friend is somebody who's going to tell you the truth. I mean, what good is it to not know the truth about myself and just keep going through life and keep making mistakes after mistakes after mistakes and failure after failure after failure. And I got somebody as I'm constantly failing all the time, somebody always telling me, hey, you're doing great. It's wonderful. Instead of trying to stop the failure in my life and say, you, this is what you need to correct. I, you know, I've got some experience there. I used to do that too. And I've got some experience there, so let me help you. Amen. I've got some knowledge maybe that I can help you so you don't keep making the same mistakes instead of walking up there saying, hey, you're doing great. Like telling somebody you know that's in school right now, you're doing great in math. Yeah, they got a 50. It's not helping them that you walk up there and keep telling them how great they are in school and they're failing. You got to sometimes look at them and say, hey, you're not doing so good, hot shot. We need to fix some things here, man. You are failing because 50 is not a good grade. And hopefully when you tell them the truth and they start making adjustments and they get better. Somebody said Amen. You, you don't want to be the kind of person that doesn't listen to anybody. You don't want to be that kind of person. I told you about him. Elvis Presley. Think about that man. Elvis Presley. Died early. Wouldn't listen to anybody. Marilyn Monroe. Died early. Wouldn't listen to anybody. Michael Jackson died early. Wouldn't listen to anybody. In fact, had many of these people, like Prince and these others, had people in their lives that were facilitators. And just kept feeding them bad things and end up causing them to be dead. They're dead in the grave tonight because nobody would, would stand up to what they were doing and saying, you better stop, you're killing yourself. Or maybe on the other hand, they were facilitating these people and they're dead. So either they weren't listening to anybody or they were only allowing facilitators into their life. People that would equip them. They're dead. You don't want to be that kind of person. You want to be the kind of person that's always listening. That somebody can tell you something. I, I can learn something from a child. I listen to children when they talk. I can learn from a child. So can you. You can learn something from just about everybody if you'll take time to listen to them. But especially a friend. But if you're the kind of person you just got to dominate the conversation and you don't ever listen to what anybody's saying, and you know everything about everything, you're an encyclopedia on everything, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to make so many mistakes in life because your ego is writing a check your consecration can't pay. 
Amen. T.F. Tenney made that statement years ago, and I'll never forget it. He said, your ego will write a check that your consecration can't pay. So you need somebody in your life that will deflate your ego. <laughs> because you start walking around thinking, man, you've got degrees in every subject. You know how to do everything. It's kind of funny sometimes. You get around people, they know everything about everything. You go, man, dude, you're something else. You're 16, 17 years old. You know everything. It's important if you're going to get somewhere in life that there's somebody that you'll listen to. A friend that'll tell you the truth about yourself. You know, just look at you in the face and say, you know, you don't know quite as much as you think you do. If you don't stop this, you're going to hurt yourself. You know what I'm saying. Okay? Now, I know I'm not screaming, hanging from the chandeliers tonight. I'm just bringing you practical daily teaching. All you're doing, brothers and sisters, if you won't listen to anybody, you're hurting yourself. Because there's some people that have been on this planet a lot longer than you have. And a lot longer than I have. And we need to listen to somebody. So we'll stop making mistakes. And I promise you, if somebody walks up to you and tells you the truth, if it hurts, you've got a faithful friend. You got somebody that really does care about you. And they see you fixing to drive off a cliff. And they're trying to stop you from driving off that cliff. Be thankful for somebody that cares enough about you to step into your life to stop you from making mistake after mistake after mistake. I made mistakes in my life. Those experiences can help somebody else. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to have a problem. It, but when I get up in the morning, I don't want to look at the mirror and say, that is a mistake. It's okay to have mistake, make mistakes and have problems, but it's not right to be a problem. And it's not right to be a mistake. Hallelujah. And what's going to keep you from... from being the mistake or being the problem is that you're listening to somebody. And that's why you're here tonight in church. <clears throat> to listen to somebody that's much wiser than I could ever be. And that's God. That's His Word. That's all I can do. <clears throat> if I can just give you the Word of God, help you understand the Word of God, that's what's important. I try not to share too many of my opinions. Really, seriously. But I do want to stay in this book. That's why most of the time when I preach, it's all the way through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But I've taken a couple of weeks out to teach you some practical theology on some subjects to try to help you in your life. Hallelujah! Sometimes I'll get around people and they love to teach. You know, they love to teach you how to do everything. And I'll get around them and I'll just let them teach me. 
And I might know a little bit more than they do on some things, but I just let them teach me because I might learn some more. And I just keep just getting more and more and more knowledge. Hallelujah. And someday I'll be ahead of them. Because I got their knowledge, and then I got somebody else's knowledge, and I got somebody else's knowledge. The day you stop learning, really, you're dead. Okay, so how many of y'all going to listen to somebody else? Or do we have icons in here? I mean, look at the sports stars. Look at, the, look at Hollywood. Look at them. They got millions and millions of dollars. Some of them very popular, well-known names. Messed up lives. Icons. We don't need icons. We need somebody. Amen. I need to be somebody that will listen to somebody else. How many of y'all remember that where it talks about in the Bible it says iron sharpens iron? you remember that? Iron sharpens iron? You know what that means? Everybody? You know what it means, right? Iron sharpens iron? You know what it literally... One translation is the face of the blade against the face of the blade. Alright? So, you know, like this. Face of the blade against the face of the blade it sharpens the blade. Iron sharpens iron. What that means is this is that the face, your face, your mouth, when you speak to a person, sharpens them. Face, my face to her face, or her face to my face. Sometimes you have to have a sharp word come to you. And when it comes to you, it sharpens you. Amen? The face of the blade against the face of the blade. The face of a person with a mouth against the face of another person with a sharp word is important. It is needed. And brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully because I'm hearing the Holy Ghost tonight. You can get a spirit about you that walks around that says, don't approach me. You can get an attitude about you that says, you better not cross me. And nobody will ever say anything to you that is a sharp word. Because they know if they come with a sharp word to correct you because of this attitude and this spirit that you have about yourself, somebody else knows I can't talk to that person. I can't deal with them. Amen. No, sometimes I need a sharp word. I need, I need God's Word. I, when I preach, I preach more to me than I do you. I, because I need God's Word. And sometimes I need those sharp words, those painful words, those things that correct me. That when I look in the mirror, they say, man, you're not doing too good. And it wouldn't do me any good to go and grab somebody by the arm that agrees with me when I'm messed up and we're both looking in the mirror and we look the same. That's foolishness. 
company. You want to be wise. So there's an obligation for friends. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. In the Word of God, God talks about friends. God is a friend. And I'm not too much longer with you here. But over in Genesis 18, there were two two men in the Bible, I'll talk to you just real quickly, that were friends of God. One of those men was Abraham. Genesis 18, while you turn there, I'll tell you about Abraham a little bit. In James chapter 2, the Bible calls or says in James 2.27 that Abraham was a friend of God. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 7 says that Abraham was a friend of God. Moses was called a friend of God. Job was called a friend of God. But did you know tonight that you could be called a friend of God? That, that I'm going to give you the verse that tells you how that you can be a friend of God. Abraham and Moses, so I'm going to talk about them tonight. Friend of God. Now a friend, we can look at God and understand how to be a, a, a friend. Okay, better friend. God as a friend. There's two things you need to know about God as a friend. Number one is that God reveals Himself to His friends. It's called self-disclosure. In John 15, we'll get there in just a minute and look at it. If you are a friend of God, God will reveal Himself to you. Okay? Second thing, second point about God being a friend is that God is your helper. How many of you want God to reveal Himself to you and you want God to be your helper? That's, that's what, you know, this attribute of God called friendship makes God a friend. Is He reveals Himself to His friends. And He helps His friends. Abraham. Let's look at it real quick. Genesis 18. I'm not going to read all the verses for the sake of your time. But you know the story. In the 18th chapter, what does God do? He tells Abraham and Sarah they're going to have a son. Verse 10. I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. Lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind. God said to Abraham, because Abraham was his friend, I'm going to help you. <coughs> and I'm going to do something for you that nobody can do for you. When the time of life is, your, your wife is beyond childbearing. And so are you, Abraham. But in the time of life, you're going to have a son. Abraham came to help. Or God came to help Abraham. And then, Revelation, by the way, in verse 20, God says, hey, by the way, Abraham, because we have this relationship, and because I know, verse 19, 
that you, He will command His children and His household after Him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which He has spoken. The Lord said, because the city of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because there is sin very grievous. He said, I can't hide, verse 17, I can't hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, because Abraham's my friend. Because Abraham is going to raise his children according to the Word of God. And because of that, that's my friend. And he said, because of that, I can't hide from my friend what I'm going to do. I'm going to help him with the child, but I'm going to reveal what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do. Because Abraham is my friend. And what does God do? He tells Abraham that he is fixing to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah prophetically. And then you'll remember the long, the long story here how Abraham stands before God and begins to plead and intercede for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. But, but God, what if there's 50 righteous in the city? Far be it from you destroy, to destroy the righteous with the wicked. And so God says, all the way down, Abraham says, well, what about, I think it's like 45. You read the breakdown of it. He goes on down and down and down and down. And God says, okay, Abraham, I tell you what. If there's only 10 righteous in the city, I'll spare the city. Abraham said to God, shall not the God of all the earth do justice, do justly? Now watch this. Look at it. Look at the verse. Verse 25. That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And he goes on down to ten. What does God do here? He's the helper and He's the revealer to His friend. He tells him, that he's going to judge the wicked. That he's a just God. Hallelujah. You need to know something, brother and sister. You serve God and you see a lot of injustice in the world. Maybe injustice in your life. Injustice towards your family. Maybe you've experienced that in your life. You say, where are you, God? Why don't you come and do something about this? God is telling you, revealing Himself to you. That He is a God who will bring justice in due time. But He's also revealed Himself as a God of mercy. If there's only ten left in that city, God said, I will destroy it. So I am a God that will make sure justice prevails. But I am also a God of mercy, Abraham. And so that's what God does as a friend reveals himself and helps. In Exodus 33, another friend of God. In fact, verse 11, it actually calls in that chapter 33, Moses is his friend. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed 
not <coughs> out of the tabernacle. Now, first of all, if God called a, uh, Moses a friend, what's the two points in God? He will reveal Himself to His friends and He will help His friends. How many want God to reveal Himself to you? How many of you need the help of God? That is designated for friends. Okay? Now, God calls Moses His friend. When did God help Moses? You read chapter 33 and chapter 4. I don't see that. I see the revelation of God. But I don't see in this chapter where God helped Moses. But He did. You know when He did? He helped Moses <clears throat> when Moses brought the people out of Egypt. He was Moses' helper to accomplish that. Chapter 33 and 34 is where God reveals Himself to Moses. And Moses says to the Lord, Amen? Show me your glory. Verse 18, He said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. <coughs> your radiance your kabod, your weightiness, your attributes, God. Show me your glory. Now watch. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Amen? Amen. What did he do? As a friend, God gives him a revelation. Hallelujah. Moses says, show me your glory. God says, I'm going to show it to you. Now, you know the story, right? He took Moses and put him in the cleft of the rock and he passed by and Moses saw the hinder parts of God. That means all, reaching all the way back to the book of Genesis. What God did in the atmosphere of glory. God manifests His power in the atmosphere of glory. God created in the atmosphere of glory. God speaks in the atmosphere of of glory. And so before he got ready to create the heavens and the earth, he created the angelic host that would cry, He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. And that glory, glory, God is glorious, but glory is something also that you give God. It's doxa in the Greek. Something you give God. And so before God got ready to move and speak and create by His power, there was an atmosphere of glory that was created in the heavens by the angelic host and the seraphim around the throne. He's holy. He's holy. And it reverberated throughout the heavens. He's holy. He's holy. And the glory filled the heavens. The praise. And when that glory was there, if you can sort of take it this way, He stepped out on glory and said, let there be and there was and so Moses I'm going to show you my hinder parts I'm going to show you what I did all the way back in creation when the angels were giving me glory if you want God to if God is your friend if you want God to show up and you want God to do something powerful in your life the way that you do it is to create an atmosphere of glory he gives you spirit whereby you can give him glory 
glory is something that you give Him. Doxa, it's a praise, it's a worship. If you're a friend of God tonight, I want to tell you something. God is not like hiding Himself from you, not trying to help you. He's ready to help you. He's ready to reveal Himself in your life. You just need to start praising Him and glorifying Him. And so, Moses, because Moses is the friend of God, God said, I'll show you my glory. I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. And you keep on going and you see in verse 5, and the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed, this is 34.5, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by there, uh, there before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and fourth generation. What was God doing? God, who had already helped Moses, is now the God as His friend revealing Himself to Moses. Letting him know he's the compassionate, gracious God. Those words is, is like the love of a mother. The way a mother loves and cares for her children. God said, that's the way I am. I want to care for you. Long suffering. That means slow to anger. He does get angry at sin. But he is slow to anger. As you go on down and read, abundance, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy. Amen. That word again, mercy is loving kindness. It means it's committed. He's committed to you. Forgiving. He's a forgiving God. He's a God of truth and faithfulness. Amen. He is a God that will forgive, but He's also a just God. So what do we see then? Very quickly, is we see that if God is your friend, God will help you and God will reveal Himself to you. Now I'll give you another verse. You can write it down. This is Job 29 and verse 4. Job was called a friend of God. Powerful. I want you to think about that. Job was a friend of God. But look at everything he went through. He lost his wealth. He lost all of his children. He lost his health. Desired to die. Wish he had never been born. Setting in sackcloth and ashes. Covered with balls from head to toe. And God called him a friend. Is that the way you treat a friend? God had bragged about that man. Because that man walked so righteous before him. He, if you would, uh, can receive this, he was proud of his friend. And because he was proud of his friend, the enemy challenged God. Oh, Job serves you for nothing. He, he serves you for what he can get out of it. Remove the hedge. Let me touch him. 
and He'll curse you. And God, God said, I'll show you what a friend He is. I'll remove the hedge and, and allow you to touch Him, but you can't kill Him. I'll allow you to take His wealth. I'll allow you to take His children. I'll allow you to take His health. But I'll, and I'll show you what kind of friend He is. He's faithful in all times. Even when he didn't understand what was going on. How could my friend treat me like this? But the Bible says, remember, consider the end of Job. God did vindicate Job. God did show up on behalf of Job. God did help Job in the end. And not only did He help Job, but He gave Job one of the most mighty revelations of Himself that has ever been given in the Scripture. When you don't understand why and the enemy comes against you and tells you that, you know, whatever lie it is, you have to remember if you're a friend of God, maybe God is testing that friendship. Maybe God is allowing some stuff to be taken from you or somebody to be taken from you to test you to see if you will continue to be His friend or not. Are you fair weather? Are you the kind of person that only serves Him for what He gives you. A true friend will stay close even in a time of adversity. When I'm in adversity, my friendship with God at times will be tested. But I want to tell you something. I love Him to this day. I've been through some stuff. I've lost some things and so have you. But I have never got to a place where I stop praising Him, worshiping Him, and serving Him because I might just be tested in the area of friendship tonight. And I haven't lost maybe what some of you have lost. I have never attended the funeral of one of my children. I don't know what that would be like. But I have been tested and you have been tested. Are you still a friend of God tonight? Or do you just serve Him for what He can do for you? That's not a friend. If I've got a friend that wants just to be my friend just because of what I can do for him, that's not friendship. A friend, a friend is made for adversity. Man, I'm, I'm, I didn't have anything written down on this to preach to you. I just hear the Holy Ghost talking tonight. Are you a friend of God? Or will you remain to be His friend if He takes what He took allowed to be taken from Job? I promise you, Job got to a place where he said, Though he slay me, yet shall I serve him. The Bible says he fell on his face and he worshiped God. That's Bible. That really did happen. This is not a made up story. 
maybe he's just testing your friendship. Job was a friend of God. I preached it to you. You remember we went through the book of Job? We've gone through it a few times. I'm almost done. We've gone through it a couple of times. Just a fascinating study. But in the end, what happened? God restored to Job everything that he had lost. He helped him. Put it in the hearts of his buddies, his friends, to bring him some silver. Put it in his heart. Amen? Restored his money back to him. Restored his health back to him. He didn't give him his children back. He, he doubled his money. But he didn't double his children. Job might have looked around and said, where's my kids? They were taking in all this. God said, I didn't have to give you any because you've got them in heaven. They made it to heaven, Job, because of your walk with me. You didn't lose them. You didn't lose them. They're there because you are a friend of God. And listen to the Holy Ghost. And these so-called friends showed up, you know, Job, when he's going through all this and tried to explain to him why, why, why he's going through all this. Friends. Job says, you're nothing but a bunch of miserable comforters. <laughs> miserable comforters are you all. But he did have a true friend. In the end, he came through. In the end, he came through. This doesn't mean you're always going to get it the way you want it. You can't, you can't walk through life and be a little spoiled brat. And every time it don't work out for you, you throw your little tantrums. Or you come to church and throw your arms back saying, No! Don't you understand? This is God we're talking about tonight. You don't treat God like that. He has a right to test your friendship. He has a right to test my friendships on all level. I want to be God's friend. I don't want God just to be my friend. I want to be a friend of God's. Go to Psalm 25. I'll show you how you can be a friend of God. Psalm 25 verse 14. Woo! Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Psalm 25 and 14. How many of you want to be a friend of God? <laughs> Woo! The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. And He will show them His covenant. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. And He will what? Show them His covenant. One translation is... His friendship is with them that fear Him. His friendship is with them that fear Him. Now think about that. You talk about Abraham being a friend of God. You talk about Moses being a friend of God. Job being a friend of God. What this tells me is so amazing is that every one of us in this church tonight can be a friend of God if you fear 
God. How many want to be a friend of God? Very quickly. I'm going to move on. God shows Himself to be a friend. Jesus came into the world. God manifests in the flesh. And Jesus was a friend. Jesus was a friend of, to sinners. And He was criticized for being a friend to sinners. He was misunderstood. He was misinterpreted because He was a friend of sinners. Personally, I feel like agape love ought to work inside of you to the point that you are a friend of sinners. I feel like that when you go into a situation, whether it be in your job, whether it be in a store, whether it be in the gym, whether it be in the library, wherever it is, there should be such a winsomeness about you that people are drawn to you. And you don't have to stand there and constantly preach to them all day long. But you've got a spirit. There's something different about you. It's the spirit of Christ. We need to have the spirit of Christ in us. Oh yeah, and I believe in holiness and you know that I do. And we have a standard here. Everybody knows that. But I want to tell you something. If you don't have the spirit of Christ in you, to me your outwardness, outward holiness is nothing. We need to have a spirit of Christ inside of us. You don't want to be a Pharisee. Jesus wasn't a friend of Pharisees. He was a friend to the sinner. Always keep the Spirit of Christ operating in you. Don't walk around like you're better than they are. Be winsome. They should be drawn to you. If I got the personality of a porcupine, I'm not going to have very many friends. You got to show yourself friendly. Amen. You got to talk to you got to talk to people. You got to show interest in them. Say, hey, man, man, you're doing really good. Man, that's amazing what you did. You know, make yourself available to be there for them. We need to have the Spirit of Jesus Christ inside of us. That agape love is the way we express friendship, not phileo, phile, filiate, which I talked about earlier, but it's the love of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. I know you got truth. I know you do. And I know we claim we have the truth. No, truth is a highway. It's not a destination. We are constantly on a highway of truth. Amen. You might have a little more than they do. But you can't have an attitude about you. You can't be a Pharisee. So what if they don't look just like you? So what if they don't dress just like you? Who cares? Jesus was a friend to sinners. I'm asking you a question today. Are you a friend to sinners? Are they drawn to you? That glorifies God. Hallelujah. They might not know you're Jesus. But when they get in trouble, 
if they think about you, hey, I got a friend. I can call them. They, 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 they'll come from, they'll help me right now. Come on, somebody. You know why a lot of times people, when they first get into church, they win so many souls? Because they got friends in the world. And they bring all their buddies to church. I remember when I first got into church, I was 18 years old, you know, and that's been over 30 years ago. I'm 54 years old now, 18 years ago. Man, I had so many friends in the world, I'd pack up the back end of a Pentecostal church, man, me and, me and a good friend of mine, Greg Young. We would pack the back end up full of, you know, reprobates. Now, I know reprobates. Close to it. Why? Because that's who we hung with. That's who we knew. So we brought them to church. Then all of a sudden, you get in the church, you don't have any friends in the world. So they, we stop winning souls. You need to get some friends in the world. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Show them how cool you are. Hallelujah, man. Show them how cool you are. Show them it's fun to be around you. Hallelujah. Not a stick in the mud, man. I remember that friend that I have at the gym. He noticed one day, he said, You know, notice you don't wear shorts to the gym. I didn't condemn him. I said, You're going to hell because you do. I didn't do that. Said, well, no, I just, you know what I said? I said, Well, you know, it's just uh, what it is. I just have some convictions. That's all. So I, you, you know, it may not be what, what your conviction is as a Baptist, but I said, I just have some convictions. That's all it is, man. No big deal. I never seen him wear long sweatpants in all the months I've known him. The next day, he wore long sweatpants. I didn't condemn him. I just said I have convictions. Amen. And that's that's the day you know I was able to get four oh five on the bench. He's he's my you know he's he's the guy that really we're in competition with each other. He's about my size. So I got 405 on the bench, and he was my spotter. Okay. And I got it on video if you want it. <laughs> you don't believe me. So I took it off. I dropped it down. I put it right back up. Pretty easy. And so they videoed it. And these people aren't in the, war, in the church, but they know. Okay. And so they gathered around. They said, hey, you need to put that up in the church next Sunday. You're doing 405 on the bench. You need to put that on the... He said, I sure am glad I was wearing long pants. Because he was in the video. He said, you're going you're gonna to flash it up there on the screen. He said, I'm sure I'm glad you wore long pants. I was wearing long pants. But I didn't say one thing to him. Man, I could care less if he wears shorts right now. I'm trying to be a friend to the guy. Amen? We need some. We need to make friends out there in that world. Now, if they start pulling you away and you're getting in, come on, you don't be dumb. You're supposed to influence them. Don't walk around with that Pharisaical spirit. Just a Pharisaical spirit. A Pharisaical spirit, brothers and sisters. A pastor can't even work with that. Religious Pharisaical spirit. It'll start attacking the pastor. Pastor can't even work with that. We're all sinners saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. I need Him more today than I ever have needed Him. Hey, sir, it's good to see you. you how'd you go on your, do on your test? You don't know. You got to, they got to send it. Yeah, she took a test. She's got some kind of 
real amazing ability to mix drugs. <laughs> so, brother, I send her a shalom. May the Lord bless you in all that you do. Man, if she can mix drugs real good, then they'll ask her to mix chemotherapy drugs, all kinds of stuff. So she took a test. So it was good to have you tonight. She got a good spirit. She got a good spirit. Asia's got a good spirit. She said, I'm glad I'm I'm glad that I'm a part of a company of people like you. He said, Thank you. She said, Thank you, Pastor, for all that you do. She got a good spirit. I just appreciate it. I didn't I didn't know she was that good at mixing drugs, bro. <laughs> but you know we do. We need to be more. We do need to be more friendly. Yeah, we do. Come on, church. How many of y'all when y'all first started coming to church, you'd pack the church out with all your old running buddies? You know what I mean? Then all of a sudden you don't have any more old running buddies. Just these old boring people in the church. That's why I got some more friends outside of the church, man. Some of y'all, I'm, I'm just kidding. I love you, you know. I mean, some, you know, I, uh, Sister Blanca, sometimes I feel more comfortable around some people in the world than I do around some people in the church. I get around some people in the church, man. I feel like I'm being integrated. You know what I'm saying? Make me nervous. I'm the pastor and they make me nervous. Makes me wonder what they're up to, you know, what they got planned for me. Goodness, man. I mean, sometimes you're not going to find too many friends in the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> maybe just what God's doing, if you start losing friends in the church, maybe He's saying you need to make some out there in the world and spread the gospel and get some. Get your friends that are out there in here. I mean, you tried them in here and they not. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He was a friend to His disciples. I'm not going to turn there, but John 15 talks about it. He was a friend to His disciples. He said, I'll call you friends if you keep My commandments. So Psalm 25 and what is it, 14 says, if you fear Him, you're a friend of God. In John 15, I'll give you the verses so you can check them later, 13 through 15. If you want to be a friend of God, keep His commandments. And He says, you're no longer my friend. You're no longer service, but my friends, because I've made known to you the Father. See, friends, He, make, he gives revelation to. To His friends, He gives help to. I want to be a friend of God. So I want to keep His commandments. I want to raise my children the way I'm supposed to. Hallelujah. According to His Word, I want to fear Him. Okay. Do you have a lot of friends? Ask yourself the question. Be honest. Let's all ask ourselves. Do I have a lot of friends? Amen. Brother McIntyre, you got a lot of friends, don't you? You got a lot of friends. You're, he's a friendly guy. 
Brother McIntyre came up here and talked to me. He knows more apostolic Pentecostal people who've gone on to be with the Lord than I. Amen, I know. I, I mean, old timers like Brother Urshan. You know, people like that. He's been around a long time. But he's a friendly guy. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say hello to Brother McIntyre. Hallelujah. Now, there's one thing about this church you're going to find out. This is a friendly church. This is, this is a friendly church. Amen. If they get too friendly, just call me. That's <laughs> a little bit too friendly. Anyway. So he's my friend. He's my friend because he's friendly. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all have friends? You got a lot of friends. I mean, a lot of friends. Well, first of all, do you have any friends in the world? If you don't, you need to get some. And two, you need friends in the church, of course, because they're supposed to lead you to Christ. <laughs> That's what they're supposed to do. Look at Proverbs 17, 17. I'm fixing to finish up. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Right? A friend loveth at all times. A brother is born for adversity. You go back to Job. He kept loving God. That's why he's a friend. Even in adversity. So here we can learn. If we want more friends, we need to be there for people. They get in adversity. Be there for them. But I will say this because the Holy Ghost has been talking to me over a period of hours about this one point to emphasize to you. And that is, be careful about taking on other people's responsibilities that are not yours. Because you're trying to be friendly, trying to be helpful. You can sink yourself by taking on somebody else's responsibility then you start not taking care of yourself. Be careful about that. Alright? But a true friend, if a brother John Flynn is a true friend, when I'm going through something, he's going to keep being my friend. Amen? If he's going through something, I'm going to keep being his friend. The church goes through at times of adversity. A true friend's going to stick together. I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to stick with you. You're going to stick with each other. Understand? Jesus' name. See, we can talk all day long about how we're friends. A friend is made for adversity. Now you got different levels. You got the mentor and the mentee. Serious? No, that's a, those are real words. Mentor and the mentee. You know, so the mentor is going to be because he's mentoring somebody. He's on a different level. Okay. Sometimes your pastor is going to has to be. At the cross, we're all the same. We all need salvation. But when it comes to offices in the church, the pastor is going to be on a level of authority that's above you. Sometimes the pastor has to be careful about being buddy-buddy. Sometimes the pastor has to keep people 10 feet, put a 10-feet pole in between them and the people because that can break down the authority that's there. So a mentor and mentee, there's difference. But I, so I'm not talking about mentor, mentee. I'm not necessarily talking about pastor-saint relationships. Different level. 
Okay? Alright, you understand? God bless you. I have leaders in the church tonight. I consider them my friends. But I'm, at times I still have to be their pastor. But that gets a little complicated. If, if I'm hanging with them and they're my friends, and then it comes a time for me to have to correct them. Well, you're my friend. You should correct me. I have to as your pastor. And sometimes as your friend. Amen. Say praise the Lord. So there, there are different levels. We need to understand that. But I tell you one thing. I thank God for people who will stay in the time of adversity. Really. When it's not all going great. Amen. You don't have a lot of money in the bank account, but they don't run off because you're not rich anymore. You're bankrupt. They're still your friend though. Okay, you get it. How many of y'all want friends? Then you have to be willing to stick with somebody when they're in a time of adversity. Let's go over to 18 and verse 24. Proverbs 18, 24. And then 19 and verse 4. Like I said, 17, 18, 19, deal with relationships of friends. Okay, verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Come on, are y'all with me? Again, how many of y'all have a lot of friends? If you don't, question. Why not? Why not? Are you one of these kind of people when somebody has adversity, you're out of there? If you don't, maybe if we don't have, we, I say we, if we don't have a lot of friends, maybe we're not showing ourselves friendly. We're waiting for everybody to come to us. I tell people who come to me and talk to me about this, I say just start mingling with everybody in the church. Okay? And eventually, Somebody will find you and you'll find somebody. But don't expect everybody in the church to be your friend. But I, how many of y'all want everybody in the church to be your friend? I do. I want everybody. One, two, three. Okay. But if you don't want friends, you're going to have to show yourself friendly. You can't walk around well, I would. well, you know, if they want me in their life, they'll come to me. <laughs> You're going to be standing by yourself for a long time, man. Okay, so you get the point. Do you have a lot of friends? If you don't, why not? Verse 4, chapter 19. Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. If you get rich, everybody wants to be your friend. Got a brand new car? Everybody wants to be your friend. Get a brand new diesel truck? One question, Tony. Before you got the truck, the friends that you have now, were they your friends then? Some of them. But then all of a sudden he got this big old Dodge Ram. And now he got money. Hey, Tony, how's it going, buddy? Hey, friend. <laughs> Will you come pick me up? Where are we going? You know what I mean. 
Amen. That's not a true friend, is it? Friends, just because you have money. Well, it'll make you some friends. You got a lot of money, a lot of wealth, it'll make you some friends. But the poor is separated from his neighbor. Okay. So anyway, I think you get the point. Do we have many friends? Practical friendship. If I want many friends, see, okay, women are real careful with this because they're attentive. They are very attentive to friendship. Men, not so much. (laughs) Women write each other cards, you know. They give each other tea bags. I haven't got a card from my friend ever. And I for sure have never got a tea bag. But that's what women do because they're real attentive to friends. So they'll give them a card and give them a tea bag. Just give them, give them something, you know. Men are not very attentive to friendship. In fact, men are so not attentive to friendship, sometimes they don't even know they got a friend until he's gone. <laughs> and they look up and say, where's my friend? You know, so we, us men have some weaknesses. That's why we don't have a lot of friends. You remember we were talking that series on staying pure, you know, fighting the battle that all men fight, and you know what I'm saying? Staying pure in mind and how it affects the limbic system of the brain, all that. And what did he say? Most men don't have a friend on the earth. Most men don't have a friend that they can call a friend. Amen? Because we don't pay attention to it. Y'all ladies know what I'm talking about? Aren't y'all more careful, more attentive to friendships? And you men, you know what I'm talking about? You don't even know you have a friend until they're gone. So, because men are not very attentive in friendships, that if we want friends, we're going to have to become more attentive to friendship. Like, I'm not saying be a woman, I'm saying be like them in giving attention to your friends. Okay. Now, women are strong in attention, giving attention to friendship, but they can also go wrong as well in the area of friendship. Because they get clicks. Anybody have any clicks in here? Okay. Clicks and gossiping. See, yeah, y'all pay attention, all right. Clicks and gossiping and and become codependent. And commensurate misery. Misery loves company. So I'm going to get around my friend. We're both miserable. Because misery loves company. So women do have weaknesses in that area as well. Don't turn your friendship into a gossip party or a clique or 
you know, commensurate misery. Y'all okay? Y'all getting tired? I promise you I'm done almost. So we've got to work on this, don't we? As men, pay attention to your friends. And women, which you already do pay attention to your friend, but don't turn it into one of those clubs. Say praise the Lord. Because that is a very, very dangerous thing to get into. Very dangerous. Okay. Everybody alright? <clears throat> Somebody asked me a long time ago, and it happened to be a sister in the Lord. They asked me, is cross-gender friendship okay? I'm not talking about cross-gender by the definition of the world. I'll let y'all, I'll let y'all think about that because I can see it's taking a while. Sister asked me one time, is it okay for, for me to have a friend that's a man? Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. The answer, obviously, is what? No! Of course you can't! Of course you can't have a friend that's a man. You're supposed to cut off half of the population out of your life. Of course you can. Jesus had female friends. Mary and Martha. They go through, through life cutting off half the population. I can only be a friend of a man because I'm a man. I can only be a friend of a woman because I'm a woman. No. You can have friends a woman can have a man friend. A man can have a friend that's a girl. Not a girlfriend. You might even want a girlfriend too if you're single. But if you're married, you don't want a girlfriend. You want a friend that... Okay. Listen, I have some... Well, I would consider friends that are sisters in the Lord. I have friends in this church. I consider them my friends. I can talk to them like they're my friend. Amen. You, you guys don't, don't feel threatened by that. <laughs> Remember, you don't pay attention to friendship. <laughs> when I get around you, man, it's like two words, we done. Okay? In fact, sometimes there's no words that come out. We just read each other. Okay, so, you know, man, so don't feel bad. No, I do have some really close friends, especially because a lot of them really walk close to God. Okay, and I thank God for that because I have a relationship. You know, my wife ultimately is is my best female friend. That's my wife. That's the way it's supposed to be. But it's okay. I have no problem with Sister Christina having friends that are men. And she has no problem with me having friends that are girls. In fact, I was going to the dentist yesterday. She calls me on the telephone. And she says, where are you going? And I, I thought she saw me driving down the road. But anyway, she didn't. She could hear the car going. 
I said, I'm going to the dentist. And I said, by the way, where'd you think I was going? I was baiting her. I was feeding her. I knew what she was going to say. She said, I hope, I was hoping you're going to see your girlfriend. That's what she was hoping for. What she was hoping for. I knew she's going to say that because I know the way she thinks. But that's why I want to tell you something about Sister Christina and I. And I'm being honestly serious with you today. I thank God for Sister Christina because she's not, she's jealous in an appropriate way. But she's not crazy jealous. I couldn't be a pastor if she was crazy jealous. Because I couldn't even interact or relate to the sisters in the church if she was always on me. Man, I tell you, talking to Sister So and so after church, what is that about? God! She got the she got the Holy Ghost though. She she starts feeling like it's you know getting a little bit further than God. She said, "Now you, Jerry, I'm going to tell you something. You better watch out there." Yes, ma'am. I understand. <laughs> Praise the Lord, church. Are y'all with me? Well, no, Sister Christina. I don't have a problem. I can I can walk out of here and I can leave her. Amen. Talking to Brother Mark, Brother. Thomas Preto, or any of you men, as far as I care, I could walk out and I wouldn't worry one thing about her doing something wrong. I'm not jealous over her, and she's not jealous over me. That's important when you've got a pastor and a pastor's wife that have that kind of relationship. So if you don't, man, there'd be constant conflict there. Are y'all with me? So it's okay. But here's what I want to say as a footnote. You have to be very careful if you are single and you, if you're a woman, get into a friendship with a man or vice versa, you have to be very, very careful with that friendship because it can lead to uh, something that would be inappropriate. So you do have to guard it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, man's man's visual, okay? Testosterone's strong. It's stronger than you can imagine. In fact, in some cases, if it's not guarded and protected, if you don't guard and protect yourself, it's stronger than the Word of God. In fact, sometimes it can be stronger than the Holy Ghost. Don't you ever forget that. You say, I'm strong. I got this. Okay. You're getting ready for a fall, man. So you have to be careful about getting too close if you're single. And also, if you're married, if you're a married man, married woman, I advise you do not get together alone with another woman or another man. Alone. When I'm advising sisters in the church, that door is left open. Okay? If they close the door, you know, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. 
But that door is normally open when I am advising a sister in the Lord because I don't want the door, I don't want behind closed doors. Okay? So be careful about being alone with somebody, even if they're your friend. Good rule. That's why we uh, ask that if it's a single woman, that a, one of you sisters teach a home Bible study. You're trying to win them. Don't want to send one of you men to a single woman's house when you're by yourself. Obviously, these things are important. I think you get it. Okay, but as long as you guard it and you protect it, you don't cross those those lines, you should be all right. Correct. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, now you need to be a good boy. Because if you're a bad boy, then you have lost your right to have women as your friend. Because your wife is always going to be grabbing you by the ear. Get over here, boy. We know what happened the last time. So don't violate the trust. Yeah, you might lose that right. You say, well, she don't have no right to tell me. Yes, she does. She has power over your body. And you have power over hers. Don't forget it. And you want to always talk about how much you, how much power you have over her body and what she's supposed to do, everything you want her to do. She has power over your body as well. She can ask you what you're looking at. She can ask you about who you're hanging with. She can ask you about the conversations you had. And she has a right to do that. She has a right in any minute, at any second, at any time she wants to, to ask you for your cell phone. And check your text out. Because she has power over your body. Just like you have power over hers. But I don't want to show you. You ain't getting mine. What you hiding? What you hiding? This... Sister Christina, my wife, knows everything about me. Everything. Ain't nothing she doesn't know about me. Okay? And that's not because she's trying to have to dig and find it and investigate. I tell her. I tell her. Praise the Lord, church. Man, I'll tell you, it's crazy being a pastor sometimes. We showed that series on purity. I get home and I get a text and somebody sent me a nasty text, man. Didn't know who it was. Didn't know the number. Sent me a nasty text. And I said, look at it, Chris. Chris, Look at it crazy, man. And I just deleted it. I didn't say, who is this? (laughs) Tell me. I just deleted it. But she knows. Some of y'all are green within me. You can't even stand your wife to say anything to another man or vice versa. You need to grow up. You need to grow up. You really do, man. 
I had one guy, man, he was so he was so insecure and jealous and envious. A brother happened to shake his wife's hand one day, and this brother, this wife, this sister wouldn't even think twice about being with his brother. And this guy went crazy on his wife for shaking this man's hand. That's something wrong with that man. Something wrong with that man. You know what I mean? I had one couple in here when they first got in the church. I on purpose avoided shaking her hand because that guy was so insecure, he had her pinned into the pew. And we say, okay, everybody go greet. Go greet each other. And while everybody else was greeting, he was standing like this, had her right there, pinned into the pew. So I said, okay. I'm not even going to shake her hands. That guy's got a big problem. You know? Well, eventually I did it anyway. I said, forget it. I don't care anymore. Here. Hey, sister, how you doing? God bless you. He's going... You know, after a while, you just get tired of that. You know, you accommodate it for a while. You say, okay, forget it. I'm, I'm going to shake your hand anyway. God bless you. I'm your pastor, you know. I am your pastor. And pretty soon, he just had to accept it. That's the way it's going to be. That's the way it's going to be, honey child, juicy fruit, sugar plum. Just something sometimes just dumb. Okay? But anyway. Stay away from danger. There can be some dangers. Two last two things before I let you go. Obstacles to friendship. Here's some obstacles to friendship. Number one, men. The reason why men don't have a lot of friends is because they're tough. They have no need. They have no weakness. I'm tough. I don't need anybody. I'm not weak. Okay, let me settle this once and for all for all of you men. You all, and myself included, need somebody. Because we are fallen. Every one of you are fallen. You're not so strong and that you don't need somebody. You're not so tough that you don't need somebody. Amen. And so if you're that kind of person, you walk around, I'm tough. I don't need anybody. You're not going to have very many friends. Amen. It's amazing though too, sometimes those tough guys, they're really looking for friends. There's one guy at the gym. Man, he had some kind of problem. We walk over there, we're gonna, we ask him, said, can we borrow that weight? And he'd go, he'd look at it and growl. <laughs> so every time we see him, we'd go, <laughs> we'd get under the bar and go, Just, just trying to present himself to be like this real tough guy, you know. 
And uh, so <clears throat> there's a there's a friend, Jay, Brother Thomas. You met him, military guy, army guy. He hadn't been to the gym in a couple of weeks. And I said, man, I haven't seen him. I'm worried about him. I know he's going through something right now. And I had seen Jay talking to this guy before. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, man, have you seen Jay? He said, I haven't seen him. He says, he's, he's in some kind of battle right now. I said, I know. I'm a little aware of that. Didn't exchange what the details were. But I told him, I said, I'm going to call him because I got his phone number after I get out of here. And, and he walked up to me and I think he was shocked that I, we talked to him. You know, I talked to him. He put out his hand and he said, I'm so-and-so. And I said, I'm so-and-so. And he smiled for the first time <laughs> without growling. <laughs> so now I got a friend, you know, another friend in the gym, man. <laughs> you did. <coughs> the ones that are growling are the ones that want you to be a friend, but you know, they just want tough. I'm not weak. You're not coming into my world. <coughs> That's an obstacle to you having friends. Amen? <laughs> What's going on, Brother Jared? How are you doing, man? Good to see you. Okay, next one. Okay, next one. Uprooting. Uprooting. Which simply means this. You're always running from one promotion to another promotion. You're always running from one job to another job. If you keep doing that, number one, not only are you not going to have friends, but that's dangerous. That is an obstacle. Not only to friendship, but it's an obstacle in your life. You can't be the person that's always uprooting. Amen? And I know sometimes it's necessary, but you've got to break that habit. Amen? Somebody said praise the Lord. Because a lot of you, a lot of you people have friends at work. Don't you have? How many of y'all work? You work? How many of y'all have friends at work? They're not even in the church. Okay? So if you're always changing jobs all the time, you're never going to have any friends. Constantly uprooting. Now, I didn't write that down just so I could pick on anybody. That's an obstacle to friendship. Okay, amen. All right, questions about friendship. How many friends do you have? Ever thought about it? Okay, let's don't even talk about how many friends we have. Do you have a friend? Do you have a friend? All right, well, why not? Well, number one, miss opportunities. Okay, you have acquaintances, companions. They're not friends. Companions are not friends. They're just people you know. And if you would take the opportunity... Amen. To go a little bit deeper. Allow yourself. Maybe be a little bit more. Give a little more self-disclosure about yourself. Open up. Be more acceptable. Understand? Amen. Amen. 
And maybe we'd have, maybe we would have more friends. If we took the opportunities we had to have friends. Right? It's not easy sometimes to try to be a friend, is it? You walk up, you're worried about rejection. Somebody not want you. At least you tried. Last question, most important question. Is God your friend? Is God your friend? How many can say God is your friend? Then you have a friend. Let's take it closer than a brother. And what we said about friends all the way down the line and the positive side is true about God. You can count on Him on a daily basis. And so the question is, if He is your friend, has He revealed Himself to you? Has He ever helped you? God's a good friend. Then learn from God and be a good friend. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand? Father God, we thank You tonight. Help us, Lord Jesus, to have more friends in our life. Help us, God, give us wisdom to always put our friendships under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let us take this Word that we have heard tonight, let us apply it to our lives. Lord, let this church be the friendliest church in Odessa, Texas. And we give You all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Father, at times when we go through things that we don't understand, sometimes we, we thank, Lord, that You're not our friend anymore. Help us to stay faithful to You even in adversity. Because sometimes, Lord, You test our friendship. And we give You glory and honor and praise and worship. In Jesus' mighty name.